Konnichiwa. Welcome to the Jandals in Japan podcast. Hey, Catherine, how's it going? Hi, Jane, going well. How about you? Yeah, we're surviving the summer here in Fukushima. What have you got planned for your summer? Ooh, actually, that's a little bit of a tough question. I'm probably going to be lying quite low, which sounds very boring, I know, but mm. I'm planning to go away in the sort of September, you know, silver week, supposedly silver mm. week holidays. And I've got a friend getting married during that time too. So I'm kind of holding myself for September when it's still pretty warm. Right. That'd be、uh, nice. But、hmm. yeah, not really taking time off in August as such. Just probably going to do some couple of work projects.、Mm. Gosh, that sounds boring, doesn't it?、Oh, for a, when it's all blazing hot outside. But I'm kind of not very good with the heat. So I'm,、mm. I'm good inside. Yeah.、Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I also want to go somewhere, but the thought of going. Places when it's really hot does not thrill me either. I know, I just <laughs> don't like feeling、autumn. hot the whole time. Yeah.、Mm. But we do have another trip planned, don't we? Coming up in November. We do. Down to Kyushu. So、yes. you'll hear a little bit more about that trip in this episode that we're about to play. <laughs> But、um, also, Kyushu's been in the news since、it、yesterday,、has. was it? Yesterday? Yeah. I, yeah. And so in Kyushu, there's this prefecture called Kagoshima Prefecture. It's known for many things like beef, I think, is one of their、uh, exports that they have throughout Onsen, Japan. Onsen. Sunaburo, the bath,、yes. sand baths. Oh, the sand baths. And、right. the sand baths, that sounds not my cup of tea. <laughs>、mm. Ooh, yeah. Yes. But and the other thing, obviously, when you get Onsen, you have to have volcanoes, and that's、yeah. Sakurajima. Mm. Is it Cherry Blossom Island? I'm not sure if that's the direct translation. But、mm. Sakurajima in Kagoshima Prefecture blew its top. The volcano did actually erupt.、Um, I think it was on late on Sunday.、Mm. It was、evening. quite spectacular by the looks of it. Yeah, it's、mm. blown three times since then. So it just surprises me, Jane, that people live on an island that's got an active volcano like this. I used to live on an active volcano. What? Where? Yeah. Ruapehu in the、oh, middle of the Nepal. I still live on there. Yeah, it's active. Yeah. And we had、mm. an early warning system.、Oh、and、goodness. we used to practice our evacuations and things. So,、um, yeah, but, but Sakurajima is a whole other level of active <laughs> compared to Ruapehu. I so, think so.、Mm, I mean, it was、mm. throwing rocks out 2.5 kilometers from the crater. I mean, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so that's happening over on the other side of Kyushu, whereas we're going to Beppu, which is an Oita prefecture on the other side of Kyushu. So,、mm. well, I hope it clears up <laughs> and that we can get on with things. But we are pretty much making this a little bit of a, a Kyushu kind of episode.、Mm. And that's where we have our guest today, who is Ian Kennedy. Uh, and he is connected with the Japan New Zealand Business Council on the New Zealand side and the head of the New Zealand Committee. And we talk a little bit in this episode about Beppu and the conference that's planned to be held November 20, 21, and 22 this year in 2022.、Yeah. Mm. All right, let's hear from Ian. Yeah, let's hear from Ian. Kia ora, Ian. Welcome to Jandals in Japan. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Konnichiwa, Ian. <laughs> so <laughs> lovely to see you. Yeah, it's good. It's good.、So、we have our, as you know, we have a warm up question. So, our warm up question for you today is You are planning a trip to Japan 
Would you prefer to arrive at Narita or Haneda? I guess I have to say Haneda. I not only because it's closest, because but because that was the gateway when I first went to Japan. So really? mm. yeah, so Haneda, um, it was actually through Hong Kong in those days. Uh, there wasn't a direct flight. So that was 1978, 79. Okay, yeah. So yeah. it would have been a very different Japan to what we know today. How about you, Catherine? Were you Narita or Haneda? I have to side with Ian there on Haneda. It's, of course, very convenient to get to New Zealand through Narita. Yes. But for all of my non-family fun trips out of Japan, when I've gone to Italy or Spain, it's always oh. been X. Haneda and some of my fun business trips when I went to Germany or went to Sweden and Denmark, they were all out of Haneda. And I just, it gives me a vibe of fun, Haneda. And I love Mm. zipping around there. It seems just so much easier to get through. Well, I'm firmly in the Narita camp and that is because I can drive my car all the way there from my house uh, here in Fukushima to Narita quite smoothly these days. Whereas trying to get to Haneda is a bit of a nightmare. You, You get in traffic jams very very quickly so uh, for us it knocks off several hours of travel time if we can drive to oh, that's Narita. really practical very practical yeah and all of the luggage stuff you know with you know kids yeah. in tow and suitcases and stuff just load it all in and then yeah and you just leave your car at the car park yeah and, yeah, yeah yeah even the long-term car park and there we go on to yeah and when I land at Narita I know I'm back in Japan that's for sure yeah, yeah. That's yeah. All righty. All right. Yeah. Well, we're so thrilled to have you, Ian Kennedy, uh, as our guest today. You're a former New Zealand ambassador to Japan, and now you're chair of the New Zealand Committee of the Japan New Zealand Business Council. And we know you're a very, very big golf lover with a pretty good <laughs> handicap we hear. And you're, you came up with this idea, too, of holding a New Zealand Open Golf Tournament in Queenstown uh, and hopefully bringing us back to that um, as borders opening and uh, bringing Japan pro golfers into New Zealand. And, and so we're looking forward to having you talk because you're such an experienced old old hand. And I don't mean old, I mean experienced veteran of the relationship. And it's just giving us great deep insights. So we're looking forward to having you. So welcome. Pleasure, pleasure. I have to say that um, the golf tournament is not really my idea. I'd, I'd love to claim it as my idea, but actually... <laughs> Uh, the kudos no. needs to go to John Hart. John Hart, oh, the former Hart. Uh, New Zealand All Blacks coach. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, actually, the New Zealand Open has more than 100 years of history, longer history than any golf event in Japan, in fact. Um, wow. It used to be a struggling New Zealand-Australia professional event, uh, but John Hart actually had the idea to uh, breathe new life into it by creating it as a pro-am event. So nowadays we have 155 amateurs and 155 pros and 20 of the pros and 20 of the amateurs are from Japan. So it's quite a different event. And the idea of Japan and New Zealand uh, create another bridge between the two countries. Mm. Again, on the sort of um, basis that everything starts with relationships and nothing is better than sitting around after uh, a golf game and sort of imagining how good you were and forgetting how bad you were and uh, <laughs> and talking about other things and sort of building links. And that's what oh, it's all about. Good. But were you the 
proponent, were you the person behind bringing the Japan side in? I think you uh, might have been instrumental. Yeah. Come on, claim some fame. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. When I came back from being ambassador in Japan, it was a time of great restructuring of MFAT. I looked around and I just couldn't see any sort of niche that really appealed to me after the, the job in Japan, which was the one I always wanted anyway. Um, so decided to leave. And then the next day, the foreign minister at the time was Murray McCulley, who was also sports minister. And uh, he said to me, you know, why are you leaving? And I so went through that. And, uh, and he said, well, um, if you're looking for an uh, ongoing job with Japan, how about talking with John Hart? Because he's just had the idea of recreating the New Zealand Open as a pro-am. And we need someone to, you know, bring in Japanese sponsorship, bring in amateurs, professionals. He knew I played golf a bit and mm. he said, it could be a job for you. So that's how it happened. Oh, that's also about relationships, isn't it? Yeah, well, totally. Well, we want to put your whole bio, everything that you've done into the uh, show notes later on, but tell us about that, you know, getting to your dream job of being ambassador from New Zealand to Japan and that work that led up to that uh, with yeah. New Zealand. Tell us a bit about your background there because you said you're a, what did you say, country boy? I don't think Yeah, I was are. really. I grew up in the Waikato in Hamilton. Yeah. My horizon didn't really go much beyond the Waikato, if, I, if I'm honest about it. I, I played a lot of sport. I was uh, age group rep in hockey, cricket, golf, and cross-country oh. running. Well, just uh, those. So, oh, my goodness. Only a few. Study was not such a high priority to me. And, and anyway, I was, I was going to be a school teacher. And so I qualified uh, with a BA in maths and Went off to James Hargest High School in Invercargill. Oh, and I know that school. Yes, Wellington down in Southland. Yes. Uh, but I sort of looked about 14 years old trying to teach 18-year-olds. <laughs> and it was never going to work, actually. So um, I went back to university and my maths got me a sort of fast track into stage three economics and then master's. And then when it came to uh, graduating, I was thinking of Treasury or Reserve Bank primarily. But I was boarding with a family, two daughters, and one of them became engaged and married um, uh, Hugo Judd, who was in foreign affairs, one of the deputy secretaries. And he said to me, have you thought of foreign affairs? And I hadn't, to be honest. But I applied and I was accepted. I, I was thinking, you know, I was not actually thinking of a foreign language posting, to be honest. But I was seconded to Treasury for a couple of years and and it was Muldoon time and it was, you know, it was pretty much what we've got at the moment, the economy was not in good shape and Muldoon was looking for a way to stimulate the economy. And it was his think big projects that uh, were the, the, the sort of thing. And so foreign affairs needed somebody to go to Tokyo to go around the banks and the securities companies to do the, um, the yen loans and the bond issues. And so that was my job. So that's, that's why I arrived in Tokyo. I had, I think, four weeks of language training in advance, which, you know, would be ab absolutely fluent at the end of that. And, <laughs> and, uh, but in a way, I was, it was very lucky because I interacted with the international branches and with highly competent people in their trade, but also really good English speakers because I couldn't speak Japanese. So I mean, that's, a really poor excuse for me, but I mean, that was my introduction. So actually one of my closest contacts um, is uh, Kuroda Haruhiko, who is um, Bank of Japan governor uh, from yeah. those days. Yeah. Uh, he, he was um, the 
Ministry of Finance key person going to all the G7 meetings and so on. So uh, he was absolutely a great friend to me from those days. And I thought, if I'm going to stick with foreign affairs, let's try and make it between Japan and New Zealand. That's how it worked out. It wasn't really a planned career at all, but um, it's opened a whole lot of doors. And I think also you can see in the embassy today, there's more people who are on second and third postings, which I I think I was the first to do that. I think that's really good because I know totally um, with Japan, it's building relationships with a wide group of people so you can pick up the phone to them and you're not starting from scratch and they sort of know uh, where you're coming from. There's a basis of trust there too. So some things are shared that might not be on a first meeting sort of thing. Cool. So um, that's how it's come, out, come about. Now you're chair of yes. the New Zealand Committee of JNZBC. There's probably a few people listening who may not know what the Japan New Zealand Business Council oh, okay. does. So yeah. it'd be really good to hear from you, Ian, what, you know, the origin of that and yeah. uh, what kinds of activities you do there okay. and, and how it connects Japan and New Zealand. Sure. The council started in 1974, so it's long-standing. On the New Zealand side, we'd just lost the preferential access to the UK because the UK had joined the European community. Mm-hmm. And so New Zealand was looking around for new trade partners. Mm-hmm. Japan was still in the process of rebuilding following the, the Second World War. So uh, what happened was a New Zealander and a Japanese at the Pacific Basin Economic Council meeting met and said, uh, look, we get along pretty well, uh, but just meeting at PBIC by chance is not good enough. We need, we need a, a forum that gets together at least once a year so that we build a relationship. And then once we've got that, we can start to be talking seriously about doing trade and business together with each other. So originally the council, I think, was probably about 12 people on each side. And um, I think... Um, you know, it was a bit of a party. I think, uh, uh, I don't think the meeting room was necessarily the, the key sort of uh, focus of the activity at those days, uh, from what I hear. But I think some great relationships were, were sort of um, built, uh, which was good. So it continued on in that way as sort of a, a way to get to know each other. And it was pretty much driven by the large companies like the Fletcher Challenges and so on on the New Zealand side. And the big forestry companies on the new, on the Japanese side, the Sumitomo Forestry, OG Holdings, Wood One, and so on. But when I came back to New Zealand, I was asked to chair the business council, which I thought, you know, should I do that or not? Because I really didn't have business experience. I had a long experience in government and public service. If we lost the business council, we would lose our link into the Japan Chamber of Commerce, you know, one of the big business organizations in Japan. And if we lost that, there would be a major damage to the, the bilateral trade and economic relationship. I've taken things in the direction that New Zealand needs to work as New Zealand Inc. So we need to know what the MFAT is doing in the embassy and what NZTE are doing and what MB are doing, where those priorities are and where the challenges are uh, that we need to address and then build understanding through the business council. So build the relationship that that then opens the door for those challenges to disappear because we all see actually what we're doing is in our joint interests. So um, the business council these days is, you know, we address things like renewable energy, climate change. Hopefully um, we had a first speaker on space cooperation last year. And this year I hope we can uh, bring together um, really serious speakers on both sides to talk about collaboration and 
addressing the problem of waste in space. Uh, also, just ways of um, responding to health needs in the Japan society by um, reliable, healthy foods. It's an agenda that uh, is focused definitely on building business links with Japan and, and New Zealand, but but by sort of building from the relationship up. We don't champion an individual company. Rather, what we do is try to raise the level of prof the profile and the level of awareness in Japan of what New Zealand can bring to the table in various sectors, whether it's renewable energy or uh, hydrogen, geothermal, uh, food production, a whole range of things, space, the, the whole works, uh, construction using wood. So that's the sort of agenda that we want to bring to um, the business table for our meeting, which will be in Beppu on the mm. 20th and 22nd of November. That's very exciting. So for people who are listening and they're like, well, this sounds really great, but I don't think we could join. Just to give you a couple of examples of companies that are not big, but they are big in their ambition and the way they think. From Toronga, it's a company called... Um, Robotics Plus, Robotics Plus. Why did I forget that? Robotics <laughs> Plus. Uh, it is uh, basically has drawn its staff from graduates of Massey University. I mean, look, there may be some women there, so I'm not I'm not disparaging them. But my impression is sort of guys that could sort of prop the All Black Scrum. These are well built guys that have lots of experience on the farm, and so they know they know the business. But they're also seriously smart with, um, you know, so PhDs in engineering and physics and you name it. They have constructed this company that is building all these robots with uh, agriculture forestry applications. Through their um, relationship building, they met with uh, Yamaha Motor, uh, the, the arm in, in uh, Silicon Valley in the United States, very interested in agriculture with lots of land in the United States. So good for robots. And so um, Robotics Plus have said, well, we can, we can work with you to develop uh, robots to harvest uh, apples, for example. And they don't just harvest them, they put them in the box with the, the, you know, the best side up and uh, mm -hmm. uniform sizes and so on. And they're working on, on uh, similar stuff for, for grapes and, uh, and other fruit. But they've also developed a scanner where, you know, in the past, some poor individual had to clamber on the back of a logging truck and, you know, get a tape rule out and measure the, the diameter of the log and then yeah. the length and then calculate the volume. And that led to all sorts of problems when the logs arrived at the other end because no log is uniform. And so <laughs> mm. the guesstimate of the volume was not going to be the same as the actu actuality. So mm. uh, nowadays they just go through a scanner through the ports in, in, in New Zealand and in about five minutes, what used to take a long time, the measurement is absolutely accurate. So it's a case of a small company with really advanced uh, technology and, and smarts uh, being able to help a, a major Japanese corporate in uh, Yamaha Motor. And I can see the same, you know, with a little company called Kogo. They've developed an application that enables a company to measure its carbon footprint. So it doesn't matter what company it is, uh, it will have a carbon footprint. And then they can, having measured the carbon footprint, they can also give advice on how to reduce it. But then that's going to cost money. So the third leg of the tripod or whatever you call it is banks that will provide green loans. And so 
that's that's the role that the council has been able to make in introducing Kogo to major banks in, in Japan wow. who are now sort of talking with them about how they can make that triangle, banks, companies, Kogo, to reduce um, the carbon footprint of a, a company in its production, which, I mean, everybody is going to be looking for now when you buy a product and saying, well, how much damage is this doing to the, the environment? Mm. And the, so that's the sort of thing we can do. So the more that we can get companies join the business council, and uh, our rates are, are very reasonable. I mean, <laughs> seriously <laughs> How reasonable. How reasonable are we talking? Uh, look, <laughs> Let's say <I> some numbers. <laughs> uh, look, okay, for, for, a, for a small company with less than 50 employees, about $450 a year. For a large company, about I think it's just over two thousand. Right. It it really is not very much, and all our events uh, during the course of the year in New Zealand are free of charge. So we, we've got the Minister of Trade speaking in in August about his visit to Japan. We're going down to Christchurch. You'll be pleased to know, Catherine. Um, Thank you, Ian. Uh, we've got Christchurch Airport talking about what they're doing to reduce their carbon footprint, um, and then we've got a a, a dinner prior to the conference in September in Auckland with Alan Bollard, the chairman of the Infrastructure Commission, talking about the pipeline of major projects coming up in New Zealand. So these are all chances for companies on the New Zealand side to meet others on the New Zealand side and talk about what they do and share information and and Mm. so on. So, you know, we definitely welcome the big players because the big players will be a primary interest to Japanese counterparts, but the small players can also find niches in Japan, no doubt about it. You know, one of the most fascinating things that we do at the Business Council meeting, and we'll do it again in Beppu, is to have a New Zealand breakfast and go around the room and ask everybody to talk for two or three minutes about what they do. And you, you find out a whole lot of interesting stuff that you didn't know was going on between Japan and New Zealand but also just the potential for linkages, particularly with COVID. I mean, uh, there's been a, a long period where people have had to sort of live in their own bubble. So the more that we can get interaction, without interaction and without relationships, you're not going to make progress mm-hmm. in Japan. That's mm-hmm. that's my theme song forever and a day. Uh, <laughs> people can join song. JNZBC and <laughs> do the lead up with all of these events and, and yeah. attend the conference in Beppu and... and yeah. Uh, certainly we're thinking of coming along and, and yeah. seeing what's what. And also um, I think New Zealand, not New Zealand, Japan side was thinking of doing something here in Tokyo before going down to Beppo as well. So there's going to be a lot of uh, energy and things bubbling up here, right? And as you just said, the big players, but also we've got these smaller players who are finding yeah. these big opportunities. Definitely. Uh, so it's a Definitely. good thing, isn't it? That's right. something, yeah. isn't it? We often hear is that mm. Japan is hard. What do you think about that? Ian, I mean, is it as hard as people say? Can we bust a myth here? <laughs> can be hard. Can be it hard. can be hard. But I think New Zealand can be hard. What's the key? Hard too. What's the, yeah, New Zealand can be hard as well. What's the key su- to success then in Japan? I think it's networking. You've you got to do it. If you rush into it, uh, you, you're going to find sort of more haste, less speed. I think in, in the case of Japan, it does really pay to take things steadily and step by step and talk with people a lot. Because I, People are willing to share their knowledge. They really are. We've heard recently that Japan is not such a priority market potentially for New Zealand businesses. What do you think about that? I think we've turned the corner. I, I do. Big time. number of things. I mean, I think the sort of um, Russia-Ukraine 
issue plays into people's concerns about the international environment. Uh, certainly, uh, China's uh, recent uh, approaches into the Pacific make people think. At the same time, you know, Japan has been such a steady partner. The challenge is that Japanese companies like to fly under the radar. They don't generally. I mean, it'd be interesting to know what the the sort of PR budget is of major Japanese corporates, but I don't think it's very large. And, and so people don't know, for example, that the former Bank of Tokyo, MUFG Bank, has been in Japan in New Zealand for 52 years. They don't know that Sumitomo Forestry, OG Holdings, JTB, uh, Wood One. Uh, Mitsui, Mitsubishi have all been in New Zealand for 50 years plus and have mm. huge experience about um, New Zealand. And in their head offices, there's a number of people who've been in the country and think well about the country. And so there's this real reservoir of good feeling towards New Zealand. So uh, somehow we need to get Japan's profile up a bit more. And um, what we're planning uh, for the business council meeting and. And Catherine, I'm actually edging towards seeing if you might chair this item at the Business Council in Beppu. But what we're thinking of is maybe we can get two or three people from New Zealand companies with long experience in the Japanese market, and vice versa, Japanese companies with long experience in the New Zealand market. And as a way to commemorate 70 years of diplomatic relations, ask them、mm-hmm. to speak for maybe two, three minutes each on. Milestones in the relationship. What's happened that was really amazing in that time, or what surprised them about Japan or New Zealand, and、um, what can we learn from that sort of reservoir of experience from those senior leaders? Why do they stick with us for fifty years? I mean, and、mm. similarly, why are New Zealand companies in Japan? And just as an opener to bring out some of the,、um, you know, the really、uh, nuggets. Of of the the trade and economic relationship, and so Catherine,、uh, just brace yourself. I'm thinking you would be a great, you would be a great chairperson of that item at the start of the conference. You heard it here first. <laughs> it would be a privilege, of course. I would love to yeah, help but, you on that. But what do you think? You think sounds like a、good? great idea. Yes, and I mean, why have they stuck together? They could have gone elsewhere. It's a very good question, and I think it's really important to signify that seventy years of diplomatic relations. And underneath that, or on top of that, we've got those fifty years of business relations. Let's let's call、yeah. it out, and、mm. it will really set the tone. I think for the、uh, conference. What a great idea! Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think also. Yeah, just to go back to to Jane's question. I mean, we're sort of seeing now. I mean, under Prime Minister Abe in his time, leadership in bringing Japan into TPP. In fact, giving life to TPP.、Um, without him, it wouldn't have happened. And now we're seeing the US sort of looking to Indo-Pacific again, piggybacking on an,、uh, on a proposal that the Prime Minister Abe had in his time. So a m- much more focus on our region, and that I think is sort of. Of course, China is in our region as well. But I mean, it, Japan. We talk about common values and shared interests, and it sounds a bit like diplomatic speak, but it's very real with Japan. And I think this is、um, this is the time that we really need to be working closely together. We've got a great opportunity to do it, and and there's sort of a a groundswell that we should be doing more between Japan and New Zealand. But there was that time when I think the focus went off the relationship a bit. But I think it's much more on now, and、um, you know, certainly during COVID,、uh, even 
we've seen the membership on the New Zealand side of the Business Council expand. And when I when I started in uh, 2012, we had about 30 members. We've now got 72, and it's it's wow. growing. Um, you know, companies like Becker, companies like Rocket Lab, Contact mm. Energy. Oh, there's, there's a whole lot of big name companies, as well as the smaller ones, uh, you know, and the accounting firms and the lawyers and so on. And to the so, extent possible, they'll put, they'll be coming through with representatives. Do you think through the to yeah, the I November Beppu conference? We hope so. We'd love to see yeah. them. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Look, I think there's a lot of folks that have really missed the interaction over the last two or three years. Yeah, sure. uh, so it's a chance. Yeah. And, and is there yeah. something about those companies being Kiwi that makes them a real, they've got a real X factor that works with Japan. And it ties into what you're saying there with the people with the longer term relationships. But mm. some of these newer companies, what is their X factor? What is it that makes them successful as Kiwis or Jandals in Japan, do you think? I think a factor of New Zealand's isolation. I mean, I, I don't actually like the number eight wire because I think that sort of paints us a little bit, you know, um, doing well with what we can sort of thing. But I think it's much more to um, New Zealand companies these days. There's some serious smarts out there in IT and, and all the sort of modern technology that I struggle to keep up with. So, but I'm I'm amazed by it at the same time. Just what what New Zealand companies can do. I mean. It, I think Robotics Plus and Kogo are sort of prime examples, but you know we don't pretend to um, have the international reach or um, international contacts that the Japanese have, um, but we do seriously believe that we can bring uh, new thoughts to the table that maybe might not rise so naturally in Japan. I think you know in New Zealand one of the uh, you know, sort of attractive features of New Zealand to um, young people is that you can actually progress quite fast based on talent and doing hard work. I think in Japan, you can progress, absolutely, but it takes longer. You've got to do your time at, you know, at certain levels. And generally speaking, you sort of rise with your cohort much more than in New Zealand where uh, an individual by sort of being particularly outstanding can actually uh, rise very fast and sort of bring bring a group of very talented people around them and, and and have something amazing to offer. I think that's what New Zealand brings to the table. That's the X factor. But I also think the other X factor is we're really strong on relationships. I mean, New Zealanders, that's something we have in common with Japan, that we do actually value personal relationships. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, people are important in New Zealand. I mean, I think, you know, we're seeing that really with the sort of renaissance and uh, the Maori uh, culture that values in New Zealand that, mm. hey, this is something that we really need to treasure in New Zealand. It, it's all about sort of, again, it's relationships and people. And, you know, just in the same way, as I was saying before, I don't hesitate to reach out to you or others um, in Japan if I think it would be good to link up a New Zealander. I'm not sure if that's a characteristic of other societies, other cult other cultures, other, but I think it is a New Zealand one that if we, you know, uh, we do think it makes sense to bring people together. I think also uh, New Zealanders are pretty respectful of Japanese culture too. They can see that's that's got value and um, and they're keen to understand it and to, you know, sort of be respectful in Japanese culture as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's a lot going uh, for New Zealand uh, that uh, it just speaks of the, the people that we are as a country. Nice, yeah. I think, yeah, you you hit it there. New Zealanders are very interested to know and learn about Japanese culture. What are some of the pitfalls that 
you see people falling into potentially or that's something that comes to mind that you would love to tell our listeners about you haven't uh, had a chance yeah <laughs> yeah look it's a hard one not time to sort of push the pace too much uh, right. give people time to reflect mm. you know yeah uh, it, it's tough for new zealand companies especially small ones because they they don't have a lot of capital and uh, so they're looking for results but it's important not to be too transactional on a first meeting uh to just uh, spend a bit of time I, I always tell people you know make sure you have uh, your japanese name you know a name card in japanese to hand to you, your japanese visitors and and also when you get their uh, japanese name card uh spend a bit of time on it you know don't just sort of have a, have a quick glance and sort of put it in your pocket i mean that's a bit discouraging to the japanese i mean even if you don't understand the the japanese the chinese you know the kanji ask them a bit about it and say and and then you know sort of their prefecture and sort of ask what's the special feature of their prefecture and um get spend that time that uh, in new zealand maybe it would be look like sort of small talk and waste of time but actually it's not a waste of time at all and i tell them you know um at christmas time or uh easter or if you can remember it or bon don't hesitate to send a one line email just saying hope you're doing well you know something like that doesn't have to be um a long message just keep your you know keep the relationship going especially when you might only be able to visit once a year don't hesitate to pull out the old family photos i mean you probably wouldn't do that in new zealand but i japanese just want to know who you are what your values are where you come from and um uh, so that's what i'd say to don't rush to business i mean um, certainly i think just related to that don't think that because you've got a product that's a a whiz in new zealand it's necessarily going to be a whiz in japan uh you know in that sort of getting to know them find out a bit about the market and uh you know what they're looking for so that uh when you come to be talking about business uh you're talking about what they want what they're looking for not not what you've got to sell you know, i remember when i first went to japan and you go into the uh, supermarkets and you'd see the legs of lamb in the bottom of the refrigerator mm-hmm. or freeze just gathering ice because <laughs> nobody knew yeah. what to do with them and they thought if i put them in my oven at home if, even if i had an oven big enough it would would stink out the home so it's no good and so yeah. that's sort of nowadays quite different so mm. but it's t- it's taken time and i think uh, also when we first uh, sent timber to japan we sort of shot ourselves in the foot by by sort of sending wood that wasn't ready for um uh you know sort of construction purposes so we've learned the hard way so let's not make the same mistakes i think that's the mm. uh, that's the key thing yeah so many golden jandals in that just that little bit there uh, we call them golden jandals these days okay. yeah the golden nuggets but um, <laughs> i we had a meeting didn't we in tokyo not that long ago with the sparkling boys and it was really yeah. interesting to see their fresh on the ground you and Catherine very much more experienced in the business setting, how you laid your business cards out on the table that you'd received from the native boys. You'd laid them out in front of you so you knew who was who and and they'd yes. put theirs away. And I said to them, do you see the difference here? And they were like, no. And I was like, look at what Catherine and Ian have done and yes. with their cards out oh, on the table. Yeah. And they were like, oh, wow. And I was like, yeah, so this is this is important. And then Catherine explained, didn't you, yes. how you, your little strategy for keeping people's names straight and who everybody is by yes. keeping your business cards out on the table. Such a simple thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. But we had this little, yeah, business card etiquette 
I think, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. in that meeting. That was really interesting that for was, me to watch that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And the other thing was, you know, Ian's anecdote, the sporting anecdote, because it's, yes. it's not a meeting with Ian if you don't have a sporting anecdote. <laughs> and it's the one about golf. And the they golf, were, they're yes. golf players. And they also, to your point about showing family albums, they showed videos here when they were here of them playing golf on the farm as their practice range. But you right. mentioned, they said, oh, it all happens when you're about to kick off on the tee. They were they were obsessed about oh I need to look good for my tee shot. Oh, is and that what Ian it was? said something else. But you do you remember what you said, Ian? Do you remember that. about it was like no no it all happens on the green. The green is yeah. where. Oh is- yeah, yeah yeah I do remember that yeah yeah I, the, the meeting. Tell us about that. Gone. It all happens on the green. It's not about the tee shot. No, thank goodness. Yes, it does happen on the green. Oh, that that uh, was uh, the story of the. I think it was an American um, negotiating with Japan and the deal was pretty much done. And the key person on the American side had been a lawyer who had been very particular about each detail. But then the Japanese group noticed that when he marked his ball on the green, every time when he put the ball back, he put it back closer. And they <laughs> thought, we d- this is not good. We, we can't oh. trust this guy. Yeah. No way. So, yeah. So... <laughs> and that is yeah. a really great point that you're making that like they're not just listening to your words they're watching your behavior as well Absolutely. right watching yeah. your behavior wow that's a great story yeah the other thing um I, I would just recommend to anybody uh doing business with japan if they're having a meeting with the japanese side it might be that the most senior person is not an english speaker or not a confident english speaker and they they may well actually understand english probably much better than i would understand japan but they prefer not to speak a tendency that i do notice on the new zealand side is in that case to direct their comments to the english speaker where they need mm. to continue to direct their comments to the senior person on the japanese side because that's the counterpart the 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 english speaker is there to back up the senior person on the Japanese side, and it will be quite embarrassing to that person if the conversation just goes directly to the English speaker, because I mean, uh, he won't want to reply, or he or she won't want to mm-hmm. reply. He'll need to, mm-hmm. they'll need to defer to the, the senior person. So I think just, just be conscious, because I mean, if you're having a meeting in New Zealand, all English speakers, whatever, uh, you just directed your speaker down the bottom of the table, I and mean, how would that go? It wouldn't be good at yeah, all. That's a really good advice, isn't it? Not just follow the language, but follow the seniority there and yes. make sure you're still talking to that person. The translation may come in from the side, but keep your eye on, on the main person who's going to be making the decisions at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. And I think also, I think also, Catherine, I mean, slow your language down yes. and, and, and maybe repeat it a little bit. Because, I mean, actually, the non-Japanese speaker will probably be understanding just about everything. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, uh, on occasion, they might be choosing not to speak English to give them time to think. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. Don't, don't assume that um, that person is not understanding because uh, they probably are. Yeah. Great, Great advice. advice. Yes. Yeah, anything that you would like to share about upcoming conference and Beppu or anything else that the JNZBC has going on? Look, I think the conference in Beppu is going to be really nice. There's a huge um, commitment on the Japanese side to make it a success. And there's also a change in emphasis that it's not about 
individual company presentations. We've gone past company presentations. At one stage, it used to be in the sort of getting to know stage that we'd have companies A, B, and C sort of talk about what their business was and et cetera, et cetera. We don't do that these days. And so the conference this, this time, following on from the last few years, is going to be very much about how can Japan and New Zealand be working more closely together? You know, where, where, where does our joint interests lie and what can we bring to the table, especially in this rather troubled geopolitical environment that we all find ourselves these days? So I think it's, it's going to be that sort of a conference. So, you know, going back to your point about small business, it's, it's not unfortunately going to be a conference where they might do a deal. But what I say to them is, it is going to be a conference where you might find yourself sitting alongside the chairperson or CEO of a major Japanese company mm -hmm. uh, who you would have no opportunity at all to meet otherwise. And if you can have a conversation with them and build up a bit of rapport and exchange a name card, they can provide the introductions that will be invaluable to you. And they may not be in your specific area, but they can reach out mm -hmm. to people that they know. So yes. that's that's what I sort of was saying to the small companies alongside the big ones, that this is a conference that can really work for you in a good way. Yeah. Brilliant. There you go. And that's mm. often how the best things happen. You're sitting next to the person at a yes. conference, in the aeroplane, at the waiting lounge or somewhere like that. So yeah, please absolutely. do not underestimate the value of sitting next to the person who's sitting next to your next opportunity yes absolutely brilliant ian any last words to wrap up <laughs> no, are you done good. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been good. it's been good to talk with you i know uh, if my feeling is any sort of indicator of the others in the business council we just can't wait to get back there you know just mm. being able to talk today they say oh i've got to get back and yeah um, we're looking you know. forward to having you here yep. and so yep. thank you again ian for being such a successful jandal in japan Thank which you. is you own that now and thank you for telling us all about your history your story and all those wonderful tips for success for other jandals here thanks real so much. pleasure real pleasure thank you so much wow what a fantastic interview that was with ian he's um, such a gem a total gem like a mine of golden jandals down yeah oh my goodness Major and download. I, I love the stories from the olden days <laughs> and that uh, continuity across all those years since he first arrived in Japan. And there wasn't even a direct flight between New Zealand and Japan in those days right, to becoming, yeah, mm. and becoming the ambassador. And he happened to be the ambassador when 311 happened, which was a very significant event for Japan. Very tricky time to be ambassador here in Japan. Yeah, but he has maintained his his uh, connections mm. with Japan. Some very amazing connections he has created over these years. Right, yeah. the re relationships. He doesn't just say it as a word. It really means something mm. that he's mm. got extensive relationships back there. So it makes me think about Jane, you and I, who we know now and who we're going to know in yeah, right. Who are we going to know in 20 years' time? That will be the time. proof. Mm. You know, have we really established relationships mm, with Japan? Mm, because mm. we've got them in another 20 years. I can certainly think of 20 years ago people that I know now who I work with in Japan. So mm. maybe, yeah, there is a lot of uh, strength in that. And um, I'm looking forward to 20 years hence and see where we are. Well, the Beppu conference sounds like it's going to be a good time. 
It's going to be fun. And you're going to be busy, aren't you? You, It sounds like you've been tapped on the shoulder for something to do there. Well, yes, I was waiting for it. But there we go. I hadn't heard it quite expressed in that way, but I like the idea that he's got for that uh, Mm. opening, set the scene uh, for for the conference. And why not hear it from people who've been doing this and been in a relationship, a business relationship, a policy relationship, friendship, from way back, right, 50 years or so, I think that's a great idea. I love that idea. Thank you very much, Ian. We also got lots of other gems from what you spoke about. Mm, that story about the robotics company, the robotics company. And so you don't have to be a massive company to join the JNZBC. You can be small and also benefit from like getting in the same room as some of these people who know everyone in the business world in, in Japan, for example. So yeah, that's a really great, very affordable organization to join. And let us know if you're coming to Beppu, we're planning to be there. We'd love to see you and yeah. catch up with our fellow Jandals and Jandals in Japan supporters if you happen to be coming over. That would be really great. Yeah, I heard someone talk about this the other day is on the bleeding edge of a relationship. And that means the, the next person, the next person, the next person, the next person. Mm-hmm. I kind of wasn't sure about the bleeding edge thing, the way <laughs> to describe bit, it, but yeah. what it meant is the distribution outside right, of the Right, it's sort of like, okay. Rippling mm. out, right? And mm. it, so it's the person who's next to that person, to that mm-hmm. person, to that person. And that's where you need to really think about it with Japan, mm. right? Mm. It's it's the person you sit next to who knows the person who knows the person. And it really matters here. So never, ever underestimate those things. I thought that was brilliant. Don't be yeah. transactional on the Don't first meeting. Mm. Yes. Don't rush into business. It is going to be a long game. Mm. Take your time. Also, his tips, we talked about those, didn't we, on the business card side of things. Yeah. Spend a bit of time looking at the kanji. What does this mean? You know, Mm. what is Niigata? Niigata, have I said it right? Niigata, how does, is it famous for what? Oh, they're famous for this. Those sorts of things. Yeah, small talk is not a waste of time at all. Mm. Brilliant, Ian. Brilliant. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to also say that that sending a one-line email to hope that people are okay remembering their part of the season that they're in at that time, Mm. just Mm. a I'm thinking of you kind of email never goes astray. So what a great thing to do. Yeah, seasonal greetings, such a big thing in Japan. We've talked about that a little Mm. bit on the show, right? Yeah, but even like starting, like, you know, when you get those emails and it's like the first three lines, it's like getting through the seasonal greeting and I'm like, okay, where's information? Very important that a lot of thought and effort goes into seasonal greetings. You know, the last thing I wanted to say on the the tips, really the really great one, I think, was, you know, your product might be a whiz, as he called it. Your product <laughs> might be a big, booming product in New Zealand, but it may not be in Japan. Find out what they want. What are Japanese people looking mm. for? Don't just do, Don't just sell them what you think you want to sell. Find out what they're looking for. Yeah, that, and that story about the lamb legs languishing at the bottom of the freezer can totally relate to that. Like you can't bring your New Zealand lifestyle to Japan and just expect people to think it's great. It needs some potentially some adjustments, right? So slice the lamb so that it's ready for people to use like they like it here, for example. Exactly. That would be one. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. All righty. Well, I hope we will see lots of jandals in Beppu. Let's hope so because they heard it here. They can plan very quickly from now how to Mm. become a member and how to get themselves down there. I mean, Mm. you'd be silly not to, wouldn't you? Yeah, right. (laughs) You think we should have like a a Jandals meetup? Well, we have time, do you think? Of course we will. Like a Jandals, like a um, 
I don't know. We can do an afternoon tea or a, <laughs> when they do the morning, we could do another another thing somewhere along the lines. Yeah, so maybe it's pre-drinks drinks, something like that. Trip, something fun. We'll, we'll find something. Hmm. Yeah, something that just popped into my head now, so I just thought I'd mention it. But, yeah. Brilliant. We're going to do it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Jane. Okay, see you soon. See you soon. Bye. listening make sure you check out our guests links in the show notes this podcast is brought to you today by Catherine o'connell law and pod launch with jane if you have a great story you think should be on the show come and find us on linkedin or instagram we'd love to hear from you see you next time matane